Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Uh, I want to preach on faith. I didn't know the topic was finishing with faith. I just thought it was faith, but we can, we can work with that. Uh, picture of a snake, please. Roz and I hiking in the snowy mountains. Is it up yet? Yeah, tell me when it's up. It's up. Uh, this is a big black snake. It looks like a brown snake there, but it was a black snake. They're not too bad. But see how it's facing away from us? But I've already gone. I just take off. I see a snake. I'm like, I just run. <laughs> Ross stops, stands next to it, gets a camera out and takes a photo. She's amazing. Um, so in that situation, she has more faith than I do. She feels confident and like everything's okay and don't panic. And I've already panicked and fled the scene. Um, so when there's an enemy around, that's kind of the time where belief's pretty important. Next photo. Um, oh, you, yeah, it's all right. I'm just looking up at the screen. It's different. The next photo is one of my favourite fishing spots. I won't tell you where it is. It's on the central coast, though. Uh, it's just beautiful. That's before the sun comes. Oh, no, I'm not ready for that one. Back to the fishing. Um, so these are the sort of places where you kind of build your faith, where you connect with God. You're not going to do well with the snake situations if you haven't kind of met with God and talked to him when it's peaceful like this. Um, next one. This is another facet of faith with Christianity is planting the seeds that God tells us to plant, whether it's an act of kindness or sharing with someone or taking a, a faith step, which tonight's message is very much about. Tonight's message it really is about how the forces with you as a Christian are far greater than the forces against you. And there's all these great principles in the kingdom of God. Like if you plant a seed, stuff can grow. I found that by accident when I came home one Christmas holidays. This giant pumpkin was just sitting there. I was like, wow, man, all I did was push one seed into the soil and that did it. So I wanted to say this to you. Um, I'm very big on, you know, Romans 8.10, you know, believe and confess and everything's believe and confess. But... As I was preparing for this, I realized how much movement is important, moving in the direction in which God tells us to go. Sometimes he gives us things to do on the earth that are too big for us to do or pull off on our own. I remember when he uh, told me to become a sports chaplain. I wanted to become a chaplain. The, the Newcastle Jets were the Newcastle Breakers at the time, and I tried for three years to get in, and I couldn't get in. But I kept moving, and finally... I met a man who knew the CEO who lined me up for an interview and I had an interview. And he said, I'll call the coach in and we'll see how you go with the coach. The coach was John Cosmina, one of the toughest guys ever to play for Australia. And he comes in and he goes, Chaplain, you're not going to get him. He points to me, he says, you're not going to get him. I'm going to teach him to sleep around, get drunk. And there was another thing he said that I won't say here. Um, <laughs> I didn't know what to do. I was like a duck. I was, you know, on the surface, I knew I had to stay calm, but underneath I'm like, what do I do now? So I just put my arm around Cozzy and I said, Cozzy, what I've got to offer can help them be good soccer players too. And we just, we went from there. Anyway, we ended up quite good friends and he was very good to me. Um, and we ended up relating quite well. An interesting thing happened. After he left the Newcastle Breakers, he became the coach of the Brisbane Roar 
and he phoned the chaplaincy organization that I worked for and said, Mark there did such a good job, I want a chaplain, because I was the first one in Australia, there weren't any other chaplains then. I would like a chaplain with the Brisbane Raw. So that was good, they liked that. So later that year, when all the chaplains met for their national conference, they gave Cozzy an award, I forget what it was called, and they paid his airfare and they flew him down to receive, and they asked me to present it to him. And Craig Willings and I drove him to the airport and he was with his wife and he said, Zeri, can you pray for Ali and I that we'll get more of God in our lives? I don't think we got him across the line, but it was one of those soft moments. But listen, that happened three years after I'd finished, after he'd finished with, with the Jets. And then another thing happened, because I have this thing, only, only two people I led to the Lord in 12 years of chaplaincy with the Jets and the Breakers. But... Ten years after that, and I'd long finished being a chaplain, the guy who was the CEO was in that meeting that introduced me to Cosy when he said, you're not going to get him. That CEO and his wife now go to our church and have become Christians. Isn't that amazing? So I'm just telling you all that to, to say this. God never said to me, go and be a chaplain and lead famous people to the Lord. He just said, go and be a chaplain and all we have to do really with the things God gives us is go and be and he causes those other things to happen and that's why I wanted to put up the pumpkin because it's just like the seed's this big and it feels insignificant sometimes when you step out and do something like Taylor going to college but it, it leads to thing Taylor and it opens doors and, and it puts seeds in you that you will plant that will bear fruit. Some bear a little bit of fruit, but some like that pumpkin, you just go, whoa. Um, so he gives us stuff to do. Not, not all the stuff, but some things he gives us are bigger than us, but he activates as we move. And I want to teach you from Scripture. So let's go to Joshua chapter 3. It should come up on the screen. Um, this is the principle, and I'll show you a few other places later in the sermon. Joshua 3, I'll just read a few isolated scriptures, but anyway, from verse 1. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim. It's an unfortunate word, but it's in there. <laughs> and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. When you see, the, skip a verse, when you see uh, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it then you will know which way to go, since you've never been this way before. Down to verse 8. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's water, go and stand in the river. Now, by the way, the Jordan's in flood this time of the year, so technically they can't cross over. Verse 14. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now, the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest, yet... As soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away. And it goes on to say, second half of 16, so the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the ark of the covenant stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing. There's just this principle in Scripture, and it comes out in different places. Once God's given you a direction, you need to take a step to move in the direction. 
You might even, you know, it might, the first step might be just a general direction, not a specific thing. But we have to, they say movement attracts God. It's like faith movements draw God towards you. And, and I'll show you some other things in, in Scripture where, where it happens. Um, but, uh, sorry, I'm just getting my bearings. Okay. Mm. So, in life, we have some, you know, tests, stuff goes wrong, but we need the resistances. The older I get, the more important I realise the resistances I faced along the way, how important they were, because I can't get strong without them. I could never have done leading a church if I hadn't had a lot of tough stuff to have to work through to, to make me stronger. The trial is there to promote you, not to defeat you. Listen to this. I know God is on my side, not because of the storms he stopped, but through the storms he didn't stop. They are what built my strength, faith and resilience and roots going down deep. Um, the ch- the, I'm only saying three things. This is the second one. The challenge promotes you and gives you life. Do you know, like, aeroplanes take off against the wind. They can't take off if the wind's with them. They have to have resistance or they can't fly. Is that? It just seems to be a principle. Obviously, if that's planes, that's birds as well. It's just a principle of life. It's the resistance and the stuff that's not going how you want it to that's going to end up giving you the lift that enables you to grow and fly and reach your destination. Um, uh, Okay, third thing. You don't have the grace for tomorrow. You only have grace for today. But tomorrow, the grace you need will be waiting for you. But... There's this great thing in scripture. Do you remember the woman with the issue of blood and she, you know, she'd been to doctors for 12 years. She's really gone through it a lot. And Jesus passing through a town, there's massive crowds, but she pushes through the crowd really determinedly, but doesn't want to disturb him or draw attention to herself. And she just sneaks up behind him and grabs the hem of his garment. And he says to his disciples, stop. The power just went out of me. He didn't say, oh, poor woman, I'm going to heal you. He didn't lay hands on her. She laid hands on him. There was this automatic thing happened when she did a movement towards him and grabbed on. Didn't just bump into or brush past, but grabbed on. There was a release of power went out from him. And that's what I'm talking about tonight with faith. If you take some movements in the direction, sometimes it takes time, but... Stuff happens and God releases his favour towards you that will get you to where you've got to go. I was thinking before while that great item was on, um, when I was 24, I came back from overseas after travelling for a year. I wasn't a Christian, but I just, I hated all the jobs I'd ever had, but I'd never trained in anything. And I had a good talk to my mum and I really felt to do school teaching, primary school teaching. And so... I went and applied, but I knew I wouldn't get in for two reasons. Number one, I was colourblind. You're not allowed to become a primary school teacher if you're colourblind. And number two, my pass mark wasn't high enough to become a primary school PE teacher, which is what I wanted to do. Nevertheless, I did a movement and lined up an interview with one of the professors, and we talked. And she said to me, we really need guy primary school teachers. You said there's two reasons you can't do it. What are they? I'll see if I can get you through them. I said, number one, my pass isn't good enough. She said, it doesn't matter because you're now a mature age student. I can get you in. What's the other one? I said, I'm colorblind. 
She wrote down four numbers on a bit of paper and she said, we need guy teachers more than we need people you know, who aren't colourblind, so I don't care. Here's four numbers. Memorise them when you do the colourblind test. No matter what number you see, <laughs> tell them page one is that number, page two, page three, page four. And I got in. <laughs> Movement, hey. Movement. Luke 17, there were some lepers and uh, Jesus said to them, they wanted to be healed. And he says, go, wash Wash yourself, then show yourself to the priest. And it says, and as they went to the priest, they were healed. That's just movement. That's not even confession and belief. That's just movement in the direction that Jesus is telling them to go. Can you see with the teaching thing, it's no good if I go, okay, you're telling me to do teaching, but I won't get in. It's okay to know that, but still take a step anyway and see what happens. Um, I was just thinking, Ralph would think this is funny. I don't want anyone to get into trouble. But I once had to have an arthroscope on my knee. And uh, I'd, it was when I was poor and I was in the public system. I, I didn't, I've got private cover now. I didn't have it then. So I had to wait about three years. It was a long wait. But the weekend before I had to have the arthroscope, you know, I was having knee trouble. So I wore this strap and it gave me a big blister on my knee. And when I went in to the hospital, I said, oh, look, the doctor won't operate because of the blister, so we'll send you home. I said, yeah, but can't I just see the next person? And they went, okay, but they won't let you in. So I saw the next person, and the next person said, look, they won't operate because of the blister on, on your knee. And I said, who do I see next? And they went, you know, the, the anaesthetist. And I said, well, can't I see them? And they went, okay, but they won't let you do it. So I saw the anaesthetist. He's in there prepping. He says, I'll get the surgeon. I'll bring him out and, and we'll see whether you'll do it. But I don't think you'll do it. The surgeon comes out and goes, yeah, we'll be right. We'll do it. <laughs> Movement in the direction. I'm not saying be stubborn and pig-headed. You know what I mean? Like, don't fight the authorities. But there's just this thing about keep moving in the direction. And you'll be amazed what God can pull off. Don't, don't be defeated or stopped too easily, especially if it's a God direction. Keep on walking by faith. Um, uh, all right, all right. Nearly finished. Let's just go to this one. I, I like this one. Um, this is called concentric circles, and I've found it a few times in Scripture, and I realized it's a principle. Um, so this is in Kings. Elijah's this great prophet. He, he does amazing things, but one of the kings gets really ticked off and wants to arrest him and kill him, right? So I'll just read from verse 11 to Kings 6. Um, this enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, tell me, which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord, the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you even speak in your bedroom. God shows him. Go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back, he's in Dothan. So he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the whole city. When the servant of the man of God, I think his name was Gehazi, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do, the servant asked. Elijah's amazing. He goes, don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us, watch this, are more than those who are with them. And there's a scripture that talks about how greater is he that is within you 
than he that is in the world. And this principle happens whenever the enemy surrounds you. I've learnt only recently, wish I'd have known it for decades, God surrounds the enemy with his forces. Concentric circles. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, this is for his servants, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha and the army that surrounded them. Isn't that incredible? Because I get pretty freaked out by the enemy sometimes. I get anxiety. I think, man, if this thing goes on, the enemy's going to win this. I didn't know whenever he's got you surrounded, God's got him surrounded. It's really, it's a great principle. Um, Joel Osteen tells, tells a good story, um, and I'll, I'll finish with these two. Let me just, let me do, I wasn't going to do this one, but I like it. This is concentric circles. Watch this. I saw a movie a few years ago based on a true story. An army had surrounded a city and was planning to attack it. They were very strategic to go around the whole city and make sure no one could escape. They cut off the food supply and were going to wait a few weeks until the people were starving and then go in. This army was very arrogant and cocky. Their soldiers would stand outside the city walls and shout insults and taunt the citizens trying to get the inhabitants to engage. After about a month, they decided to attack and went rushing in full of confidence. The problem was that nobody was there. They turned around to leave and suddenly realised they were the ones who were surrounded. So that's what it's like for the enemy when he, when he tries to have a go at you. He ends up surrounded. Imagine that. Feel like a fool. I love that God does that to the enemy. Makes him look like a complete fool. Right when he's got that bloodthirsty thing to take you out or, you know what I mean, he thinks he's got you, he looks and he's the one that's surrounded. It's incredible. This is the other story. And I like this because it explains why resistance is important because none of us like it, but it's important. Joel Osteen says, I read about a team of scientists who created a miniature version of our planet that was called the Biosphere 2 Project. It's a big dome structure that cost $150 million. They made it to study how the Earth functions and to learn more about how we can make improvements. It had 3,800 species of plants and animals, including a rainforest, a savanna, and a desert. They discovered that trees in this biosphere grew much faster than trees outside the dome. But wait. They were surprised that before the, these trees reached their full height, they fell over. They realised the trees couldn't withstand their own weight because they hadn't replicated the wind within the biosphere. The biosphere was always calm and peaceful with nothing going wrong. There were never any strong winds or storms. Because the trees didn't have to withstand any pressure, their roots didn't develop properly. They had a deficiency in what they call stress wood, which helps trees grow stronger. Without it, the trees can grow fast, but they can't survive. The wind and the resistance is essential for a tree to flourish and become what it was created to be. Let me tell you, the good thing about being old is I can now tell you all the stories about how I came through. But when I was your age, I was in the middle. I wasn't coming through. I was just stuck in the middle with lots of stuff going wrong and some things going right. But the good thing is you just you keep getting up in the morning, you keep having your prayer time, you keep walking, you keep taking some movement in the direction God's trying to show you, and you'd be amazed 
what you can what you can come through. But I, I think life's a bit like my, my backyard garden. I like growing things from seed, but let me tell you, a quarter of it never even gets its head up above the soil. Another quarter gets eaten by rats, mice, slaters, snails, possums, and birds. And out of the rest, one quarter, so there's, I've got half left, right? Half of that tastes lousy and it's too small. So we've got a quarter left, and it's great. It's like that pumpkin, and I think, wow, man, I grew something, and it tastes fantastic. But that's the, that's the parable of the sower. That's what life on the earth is like. Three quarters of the stuff can go wrong. That's more than half. But a quarter comes through, and it'll be, it'll be that quarter that you build on that'll become your identity, that'll become what your life is. That's why Taylor's testimony tonight was so powerful and so strong and so important because she's setting herself up for something. That's, that's the kind of thing we need to do. Thank you. Thanks, Jen. So. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macroylifechurch.com.au.